2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: We were definitely savings in the 60s to 70% across myself and my husband's salary, right? Like we were living on one salary, which was, you know, my salary was getting us across what we needed to pay. A big chunk of my salary was going towards saving and investing and every bit of money that he was making. And so in 2021, we were saving and investing $17,000 a month. We saved and invested over $350,000 in 2021. And this year we've already saved and invested over $200,000. But again, I started off making $30,000 back in 2007, starting off at $30,000, you know, and then moving to kind of the 50,000, then in the 80, 90,000 range. Once I took on my first couple leadership positions, I was getting paid in the 120s. But when I I became a director and then took the expat assignment. The money that I was seeing in my paycheck was around almost $300,000. But with the incentives I also had in my expat package, my housing was paid for in Singapore. My apartment was $7,300 a month. So I wasn't paying for housing. And oh, by the way, I'm renting out my house back at home. We had paid that house off, right? So we had $3,300 worth of income coming in technically from that home. We made the most amount of progress in 2021. And we moved from our first $100,000 in 2018 to over a million in 2021. You're listening
0: to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazon. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, podcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, And as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) So let's start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do.
1: Yeah. So Stephanie Gonzalez, if you have not come across me across Instagram, I am the founder of Women's Wealth Effect. We were born last year in August in the middle of my maternity leave for my second child. I am originally from Texas, born and raised Mexican household. And, you know, I grew up understanding that working hard was going to get you through life and family was everything. And I was the first girl out of three. And so girl power was like all the thing. My mother is a huge influence in my life, as is my dad, because he, you know, really just held down the fort work-wise while we were growing up. But I think something that was ingrained in me in terms of assuming and knowing that I could do anything that I wanted to do. That's just how I grew up. And I went to college, was assuming that I was going to get this business job, whatever you want to call it. I couldn't wait to get out of college and make my own money and be grown. And so I got out after about three and a half years, went to work for a company and left a year in because my first manager was not the best. And I learned a lot about what Having a strong supportive leader meant in terms of retaining talent. And so then I went to another company after and took a job that I said I'd never take, which was in sales. (laughs) I became a leader pretty quick after joining my nine to five, which ended up being my 15 year career. I led people kind of at the age of 23, you know, people who were in their forties and I was learning how to figure out how to motivate and inspire people. And I knew I wanted to continue a career in leadership, but I didn't have mentorship and guidance on, you know, how to go do this thing. So I was constantly seeking people out and having conversations on well, what do I do to grow this career? And as I continued to look around and now having the hindsight that I have, not a lot of people look like me. You know, I'm Austin, Texas, you know, this tech kind of capital of the United States, and no one looked like me. So I'm a very data-driven person. I think numbers just don't lie. And so I found myself getting into ops, sales ops, and then moving quickly into the supply chain because I had a couple of leaders that I had worked for in that org and they asked me to come over. And after a couple of years, I got into leadership again. And in 2018, as my husband and I are now trying to have a family, we had just bought a new house. Life was really getting started. I got asked to move to an expat assignment in Singapore. My brother had already lived in Singapore and I was super excited about that. My husband was super excited about it. And so, you know, we took the opportunity to move to Singapore and I was, you know, now taking on a bigger job, bigger assignment, all the stress. I was in the supply chain. Oh, by the way, I had my kids when I moved over to Singapore. COVID happened and it was like, I kept looking in the mirror and I couldn't figure out who I was seeing. I knew I was doing great work. I knew that I was helping people on these teams and I was constantly getting this messaging from people that I was doing a great job, but something in my heart of hearts felt like I wasn't doing enough to serve the community or maybe even it was getting connected to the community, right? So that's kind of the career personal story. But when we moved to Singapore, we had kept our house back in Texas. We rented it out. So we were now invested in property and we are now landlords and that was working out well. My husband had really been looking at fire and what that looked like. And he was constantly seeding me YouTube videos of our rich journey. Like look at these people, they're doing amazing things. Like we need to get on this. I kid you not, I still do this today. So bless my husband's heart. He's awesome. He'll send me these YouTube videos in like a text message and I'll just be like, I'll read it later. And then I never watch them. And so he was following Dave Ramsey and we were like, okay, we're going to pay off all of our debt. We got to do this. This It's the only way to do this first. And so we sat down with a spreadsheet because I'm the Excel person. And we were like, all right, let's figure out what our expenses are and our fire number is. And once all that started to happen, I was like, well, damn, we're kind of far ahead because I was a saver. That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't an investor. I had no, I really not a lot of knowledge about investing outside of my 401k, which thank goodness I started investing in my 401k when I was like 22 And that really paid dividends along the way. But once we really figured out, okay, we have this kind of plan on paper, we're digesting all of this knowledge, we've made this progress, this can be real. And now, you know, that I have this expat assignment and I could really take advantage of the progress I've been making in my career, my income. We would be really foolish to like let this opportunity pass us. And so you combine this I needed this sense of purpose. I was kind of losing my mind. My mental state was real shit, to be honest. Like, I don't even think my husband recognized the woman that he married. And he kept asking me like to kind of dig into who I was again and like do things that really energized me. But I just couldn't see past the screen, COVID and the supply chain being in shambles. And like, I would literally deprioritize everything except for work. So I made a promise to myself whenever I had my second child that I would take some time during maternity leave to either really figure out the next steps. It was either I was going to leave my job, go to another company, take a sabbatical, whatever it was going to be at some point in time. Like I was going to create a plan. I was going to reach out to mentors, whatever. We had this plan that in 2024, I was going to retire. I was literally just going to like leave and do something else and potentially move somewhere else. So I was going to take another contract with work and, and try to make that happen. But I tell you, once I had that spreadsheet, I was creating every scenario freaking possible, Janice, to get me out of the door earlier because I felt like I just, I needed that and I needed the break. But as I was looking around and starting to follow folks online and recognizing that there was this huge community out in the personal finance community, talking about money and Inspiring people, and I was seeing other people that looked like me. And I was like, this would be cool. This would be great. Lo and behold, I have this really awesome example my husband, who has been an entrepreneur for seven years now. And he just made his first million dollars, by the way, this year. So, like, I've seen that this is not an overnight thing. I've seen that this takes a lot of time and work, but our ability to make the progress that we've made with our financial independence journey not only gave me control and clarity back around, I can do something that's going to serve me and allow me to get back to who I am and the things I'm passionate about and just live life. One fact about Singapore, when I moved there, I kid you not, my husband and I did not go out to dinner one single work week night because I was on phone calls. So while like I had this great opportunity to live in another country and it would seem glamorous... I was stuck behind a screen and I allowed that to happen. I really did. I did not set boundaries. So I was like, okay, if I can go and start this side hustle, Women's Wealth Effect, let's see where it goes and let's see what my audience wants. And it's certainly in the very infant stages getting started, but I'm excited about it.
0: That's an incredible story. And I cannot wait to dive into so many aspects of what you touched on, because I think what you've essentially described to us is the power Of what financial independence buys you. When you have the opportunity to not make decisions based on a job or a paycheck, the world opens up for you. And I think that's why so many people, community need to know about this because we are so used to just, there's one way to do it. You just dedicate, put your head down 45 years, put in the time, hope that you stay healthy enough to enjoy 10 years after you're done with your career. And there's another option. And so I'm so glad that you are bringing this message to the Latinx and BIPOC communities because we need it. We need it. Absolutely.
1: We need it. And so many more people, right? Absolutely.
0: Okay, so let's first dive into this thing that I think happens to a lot of us in the FIRE movement. It's just the wake-up call of, oh shit, like this is not what I signed up for when I was thinking about what adulting looks like and what I want to do with my life. Do you think it was a specific occurrence or do you think it was like kind of little things adding up here and there that were kind of red flags that you ignored along the way? Because I know for me personally, I was checked out of corporate America by like year three, but I kept trying to justify the sunken costs of the degrees and, oh, the opportunities and I should be grateful and all this stuff kept me stuck in a place where I knew I should have walked
1: away much sooner. So what was it like for you? I definitely think it was a series of events that happened within the course of a year. People that I thought really were advocating for me weren't. I thought, and this is my very naive thinking, but you know, as much as I really regarded the relationships that I had at work and the people that I looked up to at work, I was seeing actions or even I was hearing things about these leaders really not knowing who I was, quite frankly. And so when I started to kind of take inventory and stock of that, and I started seeing, you know, situations where colleagues of mine were let go and I was absolutely shocked in all the hard work that they had put into their jobs. I mean, these were VPs, right? Leaders that I would have never thought would have been in positions that they were in. And oh, by the way, COVID was happening and we were getting asked to work more. We were losing amazing talent. I felt like Janice that I could not lead in the most authentic way possible and stay true to myself in the way that I wanted to lead my people and my organization. When you talk about like sitting in a town hall and trying to create this, like, let's go get a message and like, Oh, by the way, merit increases aren't going to happen this year, or they're not going to be as great this year. Or, and you're getting these questions and this sense of deflation across this huge set of people. You have to really ask yourself, like, is this worth it? you know, am I feeding into this? And quite frankly, I'll be very clear. I know I fed into that culture for a very long time, like the hustle culture and like that whole bit. And it's been a bit of processing to kind of think through that, but the financial independence piece gave me so much clarity and control back. that now I wouldn't see it otherwise. My experience is going to be one that I can continue to tell and use it as an example for others. A lot of things happen. Everything happens for a reason. So Yeah it was a few things that happened all at once. And oh, by the way, having kids and all that stuff and trying to be a present wife. And I had a lot of life changes going on.
0: Those life changes can definitely be the thing that sparks your awakening. So yay for the life changes. So I'm so curious about your money strategy to achieve financial independence, right? Because it looks different for all of us. You mentioned that you were in leadership. So I'm assuming, you know, you had high paid salaries that were allowing you to save a substantial amount of your income. So what percentage would you say you were saving at the highest
1: point? Yeah, we were definitely savings in the 60s to 70% across myself and my husband's salary, right? Like we were living on one salary, which was, you know, my salary was getting us across what we needed to, to pay. But a, a big chunk of my salary was going towards saving and investing and every bit of money that he was making. And of course, him as an entrepreneur, not every month is the same. And you have to be prepared on how you're going to sustain yourself. But he's been able to really amass a level of success, which has been great. And so I'll just use an example. In 2021, we were saving and investing $17,000 a month. Holy shit. Yeah. So we saved and invested over $350,000 in 2021. And this year we've already saved and invested over $200,000. But again, I started off making $30,000 back in 2007 yeah.
0: How about walk us through that kind of income trajectory? Because I think it's important for folks to see that, like, you didn't come out the gate, you know, making $300,000 a year.
1: <laughs> I didn't know what the hell to do with the money once I got it either, right? So like, we'll you know, we will be honest about that too. But starting off at $30,000, you know, and then moving to kind of the 50000 then in the eighty, ninety $90,000 range, that was more when I became kind of the consultant graded or level person at work. Once I took on my first couple leadership positions, I was getting paid in the 120s with bonuses, $150,000 range. But when I became a director and then took the expat assignment, right? The money that I was seeing in my paycheck was around 270, almost $300,000. But with the incentives I also had in my expat package, my housing was paid for. Janice in Singapore, my apartment was $7,300 a month. I was going to say, because
0: like Singapore is one of the most expensive places in the world to live. (laughs) Yeah. So I wasn't
1: paying for housing. And oh, by the way, I'm renting out my house back at home. We had paid that house off, right? So we had $3,300 worth of income coming in technically from that home. We made the most amount of progress in 2021. And we moved from our first $100,000 in 2018 to over a million in 2021. Holy shit. Okay. But again, I look back at that, you know, we had a big chunk of that money held up in cash for a long time until I figured out, okay, this is investing's a thing. We can do all these all these different things with the money. And then we really put our feet to the ground and we weren't living off of ramen noodles every day, but we were like, okay, this is what we can live off of. And this is good. And we do not need to live off of more like these material things that we could have gone off and spent, especially when we had kids, right? Like I could have bought the coolest things for my boys and like, Had them use it for two months and then it'd be out the door. I made a post about all the different things that I bought secondhand and how much I saved by doing that. And once you do it, you get used to it and you find some pretty cool deals and it becomes exciting, but you get creative and you can really increase your savings and investing rate.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So it sounds like that move to Singapore was a major catalyst for the money that you were able to earn and then invest. I'm curious because I think there's a lot of folks who think about potentially taking international assignments, working remotely, things like that. Was it something that you considered before the opportunity came up?
1: It was. And this is one thing that I really hope to continue to discuss with some of my coaching clients as it relates to career development. I always had an individual development plan in front of my leadership. And I distinctly remember when my husband and I were getting married, I think I mentioned my brother had lived in Singapore for a while already. I was like, you know, I spoke to one of my managers. He said that if you really want to kind of move your career along, an international assignment is probably a good thing to do. So I'm going to put on my individual development plan. I am interested in in an international assignment and I'm going to put Singapore on there. So I had that conversation with my husband because once I put my name in the hat, I was like, I don't want to have to take it back. And sure enough, a couple of the right people had conversations and I'm very grateful to those individuals for having that discussion. So advocacy and having, you know, champions in the right rooms with the right conversations is a huge piece. But yeah, I think about a year or two later, I came back from New Year's and was asked slash told like, so and so wants you in Singapore by May. I'm like, okay.
0: And how long were you there in total?
1: We moved in August 2018. And we just left in April. So we almost got to four years. It was a little over three and a half years. Okay.
0: Wow. So I'm curious what your investing strategy was, uh, because that's the thing too that once folks find out about the financial independence movement, they find out a couple of different people are doing different things. It's either you're investing a ton in the market or you're doing real estate or you're doing entrepreneurship, or you're doing some combination of those things. So what was your path to reaching your FIRE number?
1: Yeah, I think the core elements of reaching our FIRE number, which were 70% there. By the way, I'm partial FIRE right now. And that's the other thing too, is you don't have to get to your full FIRE number to make some life changes, right? If you need to make some changes in regards to giving yourself space and time to enjoy your damn life, that's what it's all for but it's primarily real estate and investing in index funds and ETFs. I am a big proponent of automation. If I did not automate things, shit would not get done, period. So that's one thing. And we're primarily invested in index funds that track the S&P 500 and the total U.S. stock market. So keep it simple. It allows us to kind of look at the macro picture. And then from a real estate perspective, obviously, our rental home back in Texas was our one investment property per se. The housing market obviously is crazy. And we lived in Georgetown, right north of Austin. Georgetown Williamson County is one of the fastest growing counties in the United States, right? You got Tesla, Google, Oracle, all these companies moving in the surrounding area. And there's tons of land to build these crazy big corporate locations. So we bought that house, Denise, for $425,000. And when we sold it five years later, we sold it for almost $700,000. We were very fortunate in that first experience. We planned to figure out how to deploy some of the cash that we made from that sale of property into another investment property. And we were in Bali before we came here to Portugal and looked at international investment property there. We're thinking about doing it here in Portugal. And so we're really in the kind of hunker down and figure out how we're going to do this, right? Are we going to buy our primary residence here at some point and also get an Airbnb or something like that? I think it's going to be a mix of real estate and index fund investing for the most part. Got it.
0: Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned automation. And I think one of the things that folks get confused about is how that process works when it comes to investing. A lot of people think you just open the account, you transfer some money in there and like something magical happens, but then they look at it a year later and they're like, wait a minute, nothing's going on. So for folks who are like in the beginning stages of trying to figure out how do I put these things in motion to make this a reality? What does that look like practically?
1: yeah, so I think there's two elements. Number one, when you first open your account and you quote unquote fund the account so you move your money in there, you also have to select your investments and make sure that that funded money is tied to the investment. And so I've heard these horror stories, right of people who have invested for 20, 30 years and they go to check the account, which you know you should be checking your accounts at least on some level of frequency. please do not check them every day. take some time. And then they realize they didn't fund the actual investments, which is heartbreaking. Like you never want that to happen. So if anybody's listening to this right now, please go take a look at your accounts and make sure that not only have you funded the account, but that you've selected the investments or the instruments or whatever source of jargon you want to use for that in the account. That's one. But from an automation perspective, right? I use Vanguard and I chose index funds instead of ETFs to a certain extent because you can automate, so like set your weekly dollar cost averaging or your monthly dollar cost averaging or daily if you want to, right? To automatically either pull that money from your checking account, your banking account, whatever you're sourcing the money from, or you can set a certain amount of cash in the account and then dollar cost average automatically on a set level of frequency. I prefer the, have some level of cash available because if something does change and you want to go adjust your strategy and you maybe want to act a little quicker, it's just kind of there. Not everybody has that option and that opportunity, but from an automation perspective, a lot of women are very busy they're juggling a household. They're juggling a busy schedule, You got a carpool, you got whatever you got going on. And the last thing you want to be doing is tied to a screen hitting by this stock or this index fund, right? I'll tell you this, Janice, the things that I've not automated, my 401k was automated. My brokerage account is automated. Now the things that I have not automated, I've not done. And so my husband and I will talk like a month later. He's like, did we do blah- I manage our money. He's like, did we do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, we did not because we did not <laughs> automate it. So please automate as much as you can. Just save yourself the time.
0: Absolutely. I think we have to be very cognizant of human nature. And like the thing that we have to consciously decide to do is typically the thing that won't happen, right? It's like, we just have to take the decision making out of it. And I think it also helps make it like, a routine part of your financial strategy, right? The same way that you would set aside a specific amount of money to pay your rent or your mortgage every month, the same thing needs to happen with investments if you want to make it a sustainable practice. Yeah.
1: That's why we say pay yourself first, right? So.
0: Absolutely.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash dinero. Okay. So tell me about the moment that you said, I'm going to walk away from my career because now I have other priorities, other options. What was that first moment? Were you scared shitless like I was, or like, what was the range of emotions that you were processing?
1: Once I made the decision in my head to do it, I couldn't wait to be done. (laughs) Right. So I went back to work in October. I gave myself three periods of time. I was either going to make it to December to April when I got my bonus, which a lot of people at my old company would like you see droves of people leaving after they get their bonus. Right. So April and then the end of my contract, which was in August. And I first told myself, I'll wait till August because all, you know, the money that I could make across that time would really help with this decision and what we could do with it, whatever. It really just came down to there were other people leaving and that work was then kind of getting shuffled over to either my organization or, you know, whatever. And for me, I am a 1000% person or nothing person. And I knew when I made this decision that I was going to do it one way or the other. Uh, the biggest thing for me. Was identifying my successor in my role. And I talked to a couple of people about this uh, before I left. And I was like, oh, I want to like tick and tie all these things before I leave. And I owe this to my team, whatever. And they're like, you don't owe anybody anything, but that's just who I am. And for me, it was also an element of I wanted to identify a successor who was ready, a successor who was ready and potentially a diverse candidate. And I was able to accomplish both of those things. So I felt really good about leaving and leaving my team in really great hands and giving somebody an opportunity that may not have happened otherwise because I pretty much asked for tap.
0: Yeah. What was the reaction of your colleagues?
1: Were they shocked or were they like, "Oh, we saw this coming?" They did not see it coming? Okay. No one saw it coming. But the thing that I thought was really awesome was they were like, "If anybody can do this, you can." And this is so brave and bold. My boss was crying. I was crying. My whole team was crying. I cried for like a whole week straight. Just the outpouring of support was freaking awesome. And so I think for me, it wasn't a, I'm leaving because this is unsustainable and I just need to take this break and I'm not going to do anything. I really wanted to leave a message to my team that I was leaving to go pursue my passion. And yes, I was going to get some time back because I owed that to myself and they owed that to themselves too. But I had a very specific conversation with my boss about the messaging to my team and the broader organization of why I was leaving. And there was a lot more behind that. Conversations that I plan to have with individuals over time. And this has been a whole like therapeutic process. (laughs) I haven't really even gotten into like the fold of processing it with certain people that I feel like I need to do over time. Right. Because... You never say never, you don't burn bridges and, you know, where you can reach across the table and make sure that you can still have a long lasting partnership and want to be able to do that.
0: I love that. I love that folks are inspired by you kind of sharing your story. And I think that's why it's so powerful for us to be unapologetic about like why we're making these decisions, because you never know who you're going to inspire just by sharing
1: your own journey. Absolutely. Here's one thing I will say. Last thing, I did get some feedback that once I had made my decision and it was known that people connected with me in a very different way than they had even before, because I was a lot more myself and a lot more comfortable in my own skin. And so I would say that if you are in this space of building your career and trying to take these, you know, leaps to lead teams or whatever, if you're not in tune with yourself, people can tell. (laughs) they really can. And I was really glad I heard that because it gave me some real food for thought on how I'm going to show up with women's wealth effect and how I really want to serve our community.
0: Yeah. That insight is really powerful because I think sometimes you just don't see what you're projecting until you get that feedback. So that's really cool actually. Okay. So you know that Latino parents are very involved with their kids' lives in general, and they have lots of opinions on everything that we do in our lives. I'm curious if they had any opinions about your decision to do this and what maybe reactions were any feedback that you got.
1: Yeah. Whenever I found out we were moving to Singapore, I was really shocked at my mom's initial response and she was not just about it. I was shocked actually, because this is the woman that was like, my daughter is going to do all these things. And, you know, and, (laughs) I was like, you can come visit. We're going to come back at some point. Of course, COVID happened, right? And then I had her grandchildren in probably the one country that was the most locked down in the entire world. So that was one thing. My dad is just always happy for me. He's proud. He's the man that when I was in church choir and we recorded that Christmas CD, he was giving it to everybody that he could you know, get his hands on. And I'm sure he still has CDs in the, like the back of his truck and he would be willing to give them to them now. I had really good support you know, my grandmother still can't process why we're gone. And, you know, she's like, when do I move in? You know, when are you going to come back? I'm like, grandma, I'm not coming back. And that's hard. That's the hard part, even for my husband, right? He's like, we hope to be able to travel. And, you know, this is why the financial independence piece was so big for us and being able to move to a lower cost country, because we are going to be able to make room in our budget to be able to go back home and see family. That was a big part. And we want, our kids to be able to see their grandparents and their great-grandparents because great-grandparents are not getting any younger. So I think there was some mixed emotion, but that's my immediate family. I'm not sure what the rest of my family thinks to be honest.
0: (laughs) Not really worried about it. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So you mentioned now that you have made another transition. So you have left Singapore and now you find yourself in Portugal. So tell me about how you guys came to that conclusion about that being the next place for you and what is your vision for your life in Portugal now as financially independent family?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that we followed a couple of other personal finance creators and families that had moved to Portugal before. So we had kind of this blueprint in front of us of what it could look like. But we knew that we wanted to live on another continent. We'd done the U.S., right? And that whole area of the world. We've done Asia to an extent. And to be in Europe would have been great. I danced flamenco for 10 years when I was younger. So my love for Spain and, you know, my husband and I, we were just dating at the time. We visited Spain for an extended period of time. So to be kind of close to this area of the country where there's like romantic countries, that type of thing. It was a big draw for us. I think there were a number of considerations for us in terms of healthcare, the quality of it and the affordability, just the cost of living in general and safety. My husband is half African-American, half Hispanic. My boys are mixed boys. And when George Floyd was murdered in public and being abroad and watching all this, Janice, was it was effed up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine it's kind of like seeing a war zone in another country that you've been there.
1: The questions you get from people, right? Of like, "What's going on?" Right? And you're like, "I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the resident expert on the U.S., but I had a lot of this emotional tie to what was happening, of course, right? Yeah. But on top of everything that was going on at work, and I was getting ready for a night call, it's probably like nine o'clock or something, and I just had this anxiety for like a whole week. And I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm really just coming to the realization that we're not moving back because I can't fathom you going to pick up something at the convenience store or Target and then me getting a phone call that either you're not coming back or you're in jail. And then, oh, add the boys into that. So, yes, we've had this experience of being afar and watching everything go on. And of course, we'd already made our decision. We were like en route to Portugal and the Uvalde shooting happens. All of it just kept continuing to culminate into this emotional element of us realizing that we, for us, just needed to make a decision that was comfortable, that felt safe, that was going to inspire us, that fit our lifestyle, that made sense cost-wise, and would afford us the quality of life that we really wanted. And by no means is the U.S. an absolute horrible place to grow up. I grew up there. I benefited greatly from the United States. For me right now, I think it's just like emotional processing around what I saw growing up younger and now as I'm getting older and recognizing, you know, what I value and what I hope for the world. And I, you know, I am an optimist. I am very hopeful that things will get better, but it's going to take some real radical change and some people really working together to get to the level of progress that we need to see and that people deserve
0: Absolutely. I think it's a a sobering experience to realize that many of our families came to this place with a completely different expectation of what it has become and reconciling all the sacrifices that have been made by past generations to give us the opportunities. And some of us, I think, are wrestling with this idea of like, is it a betrayal to decide that this is not the place for us? And I think that's kind of part of The freedoms that you've earned by being a part of your lineage, right? It's like their sacrifices now give you all these opportunities and to squander them would be kind of a disrespect to everything that's been sacrificed. So
1: yeah, it's like we wanted to do right by our parents working so hard for us. And I've heard some really interesting stories too of parents finally visiting, right? Certain countries and people. And then they eventually make the move too. And that's pretty beautiful. Not only can you have, you know, first, second, third careers, but you can kind of restart parts of your life if you really choose to. And that's the great thing about being Americans, right? We have that for us and not everybody does.
0: There's a lot of luxury and privilege that comes with that American passport, for
1: sure. So much.
0: So tell me a little bit about the logistics of becoming an expat now in Portugal for folks who are curious, like what is the documentation required? Like who can move? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so we came in what's called a D7 visa, you either come in showing that you can retire and live off a set of passive income or that your company will allow you to work remotely. It's one of those options, right? For us, it was a combination of passive income and my husband's entrepreneurial journey is salary. And so that's what we had to justify. Of course, you have to go through a background check. You have to have your passport, immunization records, like this whole list. I stayed up till like three or four o'clock in the morning, printing out all that stuff for our appointment. And so you need to give yourself the time. The other thing that was really unique that I think gave us a glimpse into the real estate market here in Portugal is you do have to have a dwelling rented or like a lease or an actual purchase property for at least a year. But the housing market here is so hot that in order for us to lock something down, and I kid you not, we, we signed the lease agreement the day before our appointment for our D7. So talk about stress, I was trying to leave my job and all this stuff. I do everything all at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, not sure who can relate. We had to put down an offer for two-year lease agreement, four months up front, and a two month deposit. So there are some expenses associated to moving to somewhere like Portugal. And so it's not like anybody can just up and leave. But the Portuguese government is really trying to incent foreign investment and expats in general to boost their economy for all all these reasons, right? I'm very fortunate that they have the program because if there was a place for us to land, this is really the right place for us right now.
0: That's awesome. I've heard a lot of amazing things about Portugal. It's on my to-do list as far as travel. Let me know. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also worth talking to an immigration attorney. Like start figuring out like what those things that you need to know are so that it's not a surprise to you when the time comes and you don't face roadblocks unnecessarily.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing, knowledge or information and education online is abundant. There are amazing Facebook groups about what you need to move to Portugal and all the documentation. And of course, the documentation, all the requirements are changing. They're pretty fluid, but there are a number of Facebook groups. There are courses of how to move to Portugal. And so if you're passionate about moving somewhere, moving to another place within the United States, check out YouTube. I'm sure there are people posting things. Bali is an example just now announced and it may be in flight to be done for digital nomads. They're going to have a five-year visa for you to be able to go to Bali. My brother's quote unquote living there right now. And he's on the 30 day visa and extending every 30 days for a 60 day. And he's having to leave and come back. Now he may not have to do that. If you are in a position where you have a remote job, If you're just looking for options and opportunities to move, there's a lot of opportunities and marrying financial fire with that. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so before we wrap things up, I'd love to hear your best tip for somebody who is like, you know what, I think I want to start my fire journey, but I don't know where to start because I am freaking overwhelmed. What's one thing that they can do right now to put themselves on the path?
1: Understand how you best consume content and just make it a part of your routine. It can be a podcast. It can be a book on Audible. It can be a book. It can be a YouTube video. There are so many different mediums in which we can consume content. I think just making it a regular thing and keeping it in front of you, honestly, and if you're paying attention, there's so many inspiring stories out there and relatable people out there I mean, I look back now, I didn't have the time or wasn't making the time. Let me just be clear. I wasn't making the time to listen to a podcast or whatever. But once I did, I was like, where the F was I? If I had to say anything, I've been really amazed at how many different, unique, diverse creators are out there. There's so much room for more. The the game is changing in terms of voices out there for us to listen to.
0: Absolutely. I love that message. And it was the journey to launch podcast for me that set me on the path to financial independence, you know, because seeing a black woman talking about this, Jamila Soufran, I'm just like, okay, so we can do this. This isn't just for like white guys in Silicon Valley. Like we can do this too. And it changed my life. So find the way that will allow you to absorb the information that is out there. And yes, there is a lot of information, but I think if you get into this habit of personal development, And then you use that, you use what you're learning and put it into action. You will wake up a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now and be like, holy shit, my life has changed because I decided to just do something different.
1: And it's addicting. And you realize that you're more open to always being open to more knowledge, right? Like we're now investing in cryptocurrency and yeah, we lost some money, but it was money that we were willing to lose right? So that's part of like what we knew, but we're not shying away from things just because we don't know, because I know that I shied away from investing because I didn't know. But now that we are where we are and now I'm doing what I'm doing, so many things are possible with knowledge and that's half the battle.
0: Yes. Okay. So I'm curious if you have some sort of life mantra or affirmation or anything that you follow to keep you motivated on your journey to just constantly
1: growing. I don't have a specific mantra, but I was thinking about this and I have always done my best work or have seen like real progress in my life or my career, whatever, when someone tells me I can't and when I'm challenged and, or when I'm challenged, there were multiple times Janice, when I was told like, this is the interview for you to lose this leadership position is not for you. I think they were secretly trying to tell me that I might've only had the interview because I was a woman and maybe diverse. Right. But even when I was younger, right. Like I wasn't the best cheerleader on the squad, but I was on squad and I was, you know, like co-captain because there was something, I think I don't tell myself this enough. There's this inherent quality in me. I hope where it's, you know, being able to connect, have conversations, inspire, lead. Like I just, love people and just the sense of community and just getting shit done. And so every time I've either been told I can't or am really faced with the challenge, I thrive in it. And so I think that's just my working style and the way that I do things. Yeah.
0: I think we're kindred spirits in that way. I love that energy. And it's just like, you know, challenge accepted. We're here for it. Check in with me a year from now. Thanks. Absolutely will. Hopefully I'll do it in person in Portugal. But yeah, Stephanie, this has been an amazing conversation. I know folks are going to be inspired by your story and gonna to want to find out so much more about you. So tell us where we can find you, how you now work with clients to put them on the path of financial
1: independence and just share all the things. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Women's Wealth Effect. You can also find me along with my husband on YouTube at Permission to be Wealthy. And so, yes, we have been, had been at the beginning of the year. We're picking this back up. And here's one thing that I've learned in this process of transitioning countries and all this crazy stuff. You have to give yourself grace. And if you don't and really figure out how you can just manage life you're going to just run yourself into a ditch, right? So we gave ourselves a pause, but you can find me on permission to be wealthy with him, where we have real money conversations that couples have. And that's been fun because I get to not only learn from him, but just collaborate with him, which is great. And here in the month of August, I am releasing one-on-one coaching slots. I did this late last year, January timeframe, and I'm doing it again. And I'm super excited to not only just have conversations with women, but really learn about what you're looking for. Because this is really part of my process is really understanding how I can fine tune the service that I can do for you. So yeah, I'm very excited. I am very excited
0: for you. And I am just very inspired by your story. I love seeing Latinas who are just unapologetic about demanding more from what life has to offer. I think it's so counter to so much of what we associate with our culture and being the struggle and kind of settling for less. And I think the more women that we have just showing what is possible, I think it's transformational. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for just existing and being you because
1: it's so powerful. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. Full transparency. This is literally my first collaboration, my first podcast, my first anything. And so to be here at at Yo Quiero Dinero, it's it's fucking awesome. (laughs) It is fucking
0: awesome. Thank you so much. And I can't wait for folks to follow you, find out more about you, and uh, just be inspired by your journey. So thanks again. Thank you.
2: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Every time, and it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tapiphone.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level. Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, The Ultimate Blueprint for Becoming Poderosa with Your Dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of The Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.